This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, everyone? So stoked to be here with you uh, online. I hope everybody um, enjoyed uh, Crystal Gale's message last week. It was powerful. Uh, I was here when we recorded that, and then I was also here in person. And so she did such a great job. So um, excited about part two here, Change Your World. Um, if you want to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 8, uh, Mark chapter 8, we're going to read verses 22 to 26, and that's going to be our text for the day. But this is part two, and uh, let me pray, and then we'll jump right into the word today. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, uh, that you're going to speak to us, that you are going to uh, Lord, um, convict us, God. Um, um, set us straight, Lord, in the areas uh, that aren't. Lord, uh, we invite you into our life, into our world. Lord, uh, uh, do some things in us, God. Uh, perfect what you started, Lord. We open up our heart and our life to be changed by you, Jesus, we don't just want behavioral modification. Lord, we thank you because of your spirit and your word. We thank you that we can experience, Lord, life transformation. So change us, God. Change us as individuals. Change us into your image so we can turn around and change the world we are in. So we thank you for today. We thank you for this word. And we pray you speak to everybody today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Hope everybody's enjoying the worship. Um, uh, we got our own worship in there. We're in the process of, of just planning to record even more um, uh, worship sets. So we have our own. So we'll be mixing it up with some of the other um, worship videos we have uh, that we have been using as well as our own. And so um, thank you everyone for being a part of this. And if and if you're here and, and you're getting ministered to, um, like uh, my wife said in the intro and just the welcome time, share this. Share this with somebody right now. Share it. Um, it'd mean the world to us. If this is touching you and speaking to you and ministering to you, if Hopeland Church is, is where you're getting ministered to, share it. Let somebody know. And and uh, we'd appreciate that. And so I'm sure they would too. Uh so uh, let's do this. Let's jump into the word here. Uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. And it reads, um, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought the people of Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Verse 23, So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Verse 25, then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. Somebody say, touch me again, Lord. Come on, say it again. Say, touch me again, Lord. 
And he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. All right. Somebody say amen. Okay. So there we go. That, that, that's what we're going to look at today in the word of God. All right. Um, interestingly, um, this, this, this story, this narrative um, is only written in the book of Mark. It's not written in the gospel of Matthew. It's not written in the gospel according to Luke. It's not written in the gospel of John. Of the four gospels, this is the only situation uh, this specific situation is in. If you'll notice in other, in multiple gospels, there's things Jesus says and, and each of the gospel writers record it. Um, certain miracles are recorded in multiple gospels. This one is only in the gospel of Mark. And so I find this really fascinating um, uh, because doing part to Mark, I believe could understand um, this man a little bit. We'll get into this. Uh, the writer Mark could could relate to some degree, I believe, to this man. Okay. And so um, what what's also interesting here is just this story really, um, when I look at it, it really represents the mercy and love of Jesus. Okay. This represents um, somebody uh, getting help from Jesus when they could not help themselves, nor um, were they as aggressive as some of the others in scripture. Like if you think about this, and those stories are great and have their place. Um, for instance, just as a contrast, right? The woman with the issue of blood, I mean, she pressed through, right? She pressed through the crowd. Um, and blind Bartimaeus, who we call him blind Bartimaeus, his name named Bartimaeus, he was blind. And, and people were telling him to be quiet, right? And he cried, the Bible says, he cried out a great deal more. If you look at the Syrophoenician woman, I mean, these are all expressions of faith. Um, they're amazing. I love those stories. I, I really do. Uh, and then like even the Syrophoenician woman, um, she wanted her daughter to be delivered of her demons. And Jesus um, uh, was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Like you're a Gentile. It's not your time yet, right? And so she was like, you know, um, but I, I can take a crumb off the table, right? And, and, and so she got a miracle and there was this persistence. There was this press. And then now this, this gentleman in Bethsaida was different. I mean, people brought him to Jesus and Jesus took him by the hand. And so I love how God's approach towards people is always different. It's always different because they're a different person. Their, their situation is different. Their background is different. Where they are is different. And Jesus, I'm here to encourage you here today. Jesus knows exactly how to minister to you. He knows how to reach you. He knows how to get to you. Okay, now he got to this man. And, and this is, there, there is, you know, people brought him to Jesus, okay? And, and those people asked, those people asked Jesus to touch him. They begged, or um, some versions say besought, I believe this is the, is the word in the King James, but in the New King James, it says they begged Jesus 
to touch him. So here is a blind man and people brought him and they begged Jesus and then Jesus took his hand. There is, you know, the, the, you know, you don't see any initiative from this man. You don't see any kind of overt action to receive a miracle. Okay. Um, it's fascinating. You know, like I said before that Mark, um, wrote in such detail, uh, this man and the process and how Jesus went out of his way to, to heal him, to touch him. And the process Jesus himself was willing to go through for this man to, to, to get to a place of victory, of healing, of breakthrough. Um, you know, the personal attention that Jesus gave this man is so powerful, okay? Um, and so uh, if we look at, once again here, let's look at this. Um, so we took the blind man, this is verse 23, took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town and led him out of the town. Now, there's a group of people, they brought him, they're probably wanting to see a miracle. They're, they're probably, want, you know, they're wanting to see, let, let's see what Jesus does, right? I mean, they, they, they begged him. They, they, there was, you know, we don't know their exact motive, but I mean, Jesus, um, you know, took the man by the hand and took him to a secluded place, to an isolated environment. And, and this is my first point here. And we're, we're talking about change your world, okay? We're talking about change your world, but, but we're talking about how God, how Jesus did that. Jesus changed this man's world, okay? This man's world, this, this person, okay? And, and here's my first point. God does his greatest work in private, okay? Now, I'm not saying he doesn't do great works out in the open. I'm not you know, of course, that's that is in the word of God and there's example of that. But I believe that there's a work God wants to do in you. And that work is not a show. That work is not to parade you. But God wants to do a work in you that is private and separated. And it is simply between you and him. This is, this is really beautiful because we're talking about changing our world. And I think sometimes you, you say that. That's our vision. That's a big vision. We got a big vision, folks. What is our vision as a church? Uh, that, that you would encounter God, uh, walk in freedom, fulfill God's purpose, and change your world. That, that, that's our vision. That we're not, we're, our vision isn't just to have church. Our vision isn't just to simply gather. That is a piece and a part of what we do as a local church community, but our vision leads to the people that aren't here, the people that don't know Jesus. Our vision is always gonna be to get out of the four walls of the church building, to get out there and love people, serve people, minister to people, all right? And so I, I love this because um, this is what Jesus did. And if we want to change our world, we must allow God to first change us and to do that intimate, private, personal work in and through us. 
I mean, Jesus was like, man, this ain't a show, right? He's like, he took, he cared so much for this man that he said, nah, we're going to do this outside, out the town. We're going to, we're going to go outside. We're going to go, this is between me and this man. This ain't between y'all. Thank you for bringing him, but I'm going to do something with him. And, um, and so, um, we, we, I think in this, in this culture we're in, I mean, you know, you look at social media, you look at the, anything and everything in our culture, it's about influence and a platform and, um, you know, like everybody wants a platform, but, but we don't necessarily value the process that happens um, behind closed doors, right? Uh, Jesus understands that some of the greatest work that's going to be done in you is going to be not on a platform, but even behind the curtain, you know, uh, not above ground, but underground, not 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 above the soil, but in the soil, right? The whole principle of the seed is underground and and the greatest work done with the seed is underground and you, you're going to see the fruit and it's going to, it's going to produce fruit and it's going to, it's going to, it's going to, um, feed people and right. Uh, it's going to, it's going to contribute to the environment it is planted in. Um, and that, that's the key here is change our world, but we got to understand and we need to value what's happening underground. All right, because if we if we don't have a root system of our relationship with Christ in, in intimacy, um, the fruit won't come. Right. We got to have deep, deep roots so we can bear much fruit. Right. There, if there's no root, there's no fruit. OK, let's not. I think sometimes we look at the fruit of something and we're like, wow, but man, you don't know the time and effort and diligence and hard work it took to get the roots going. All right. And so let's not live. Um, let's not just live for the result. Right. Let, let, let's walk with God um, through the process. Let's not live for. Come on, church. Can I can I preach to you here? Let's not live for popularity, but let's stay faithful to God in obscurity. Um, you know, so, you know. You look at David, man. He was in a cave before he got the crown, right? And he was anointed three times. I mean, there there was a process for him to get to where God had called him, and even in his reign, um, the 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 scope of his reign and authority was progressive. Okay. And so, um, God doesn't need a crowd to do what he wants to do in you. God doesn't, God doesn't need a show. I'll tell you right now, most of the, 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 the deepest, the, the, the most, um, life-changing experiences and moments I've had with Jesus has been, um, behind closed doors in the privacy of my room with him. All right. So you won't always get what you need in the public arena. Can I get an amen, somebody? Uh, God will walk with you in privacy and solitude. I mean, that's where God is, right? So let's look at this verse here. Uh, Matthew chapter six, verse six. God, you know, God does his greatest work in private. And, and look at this, Matthew six, six. Uh, but you, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, come on, look at somebody and say, say, say when you pray, not if, okay? This isn't an if, this is a when. But when you pray, go into your room, go into your room. And when you shut your door, I mean, think about the context here. This is like, this is private. I mean, I'm in my room. It's my space. Shut the door. 
closed out the world, the noise of the world, close out the media, close out the pol- political stuff, close out CNN, close out Fox News. I don't know, whatever news channel you watch, I don't know. Uh, hopefully not too much of either, uh, um, right? Uh, but you just shut all that sh- social media, shut it out, turn off your phone, whatever it is, and pray to your father who's in the secret place, all right? God does his greatest work in private, in the secret place, you know? And, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Your father who does the work, the root work, so you could bear fruit later. Amen. Come on, somebody. Are you with me on this? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here we go. Let's look at this again. Mark chapter eight. And let's read verse 23 and 24. So he took the blind man by the hand. All right. Took him by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. All right. He asked him if he saw anything. Verse 24. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. I love this. He brings him into private. He brings him into um this, 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 this separated space. And he starts to dialogue with them. And most of all, most importantly, he touches them. Uh, this is, this, this is it. This is where he touched him. He didn't touch them in public. Not that he didn't do that for others, but this man, this situation only written in the book of Mark. It was, uh, he touched him when he brought him out of somewhere private. I'm here to tell you right now, if you, if you, you, you need a touch from Jesus, that's my second point. We need God's hand. We need God's hand on us. We need God's hand on us. I love that Jesus waited to get to a place where it was just him and him and this man. They're dialoguing. Ain't nobody else around. Ain't no other noise. Ain't nobody trying to see what's going on in his life. Man, is he gonna get better? Everybody knew his issue. I mean, they knew it enough to be like, hey, come on, man, help this dude out. Right, everybody knew his his issue. Everybody knew what he was dealing with. Everybody knew, and 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 he's like, "Look, I'm gonna take him out here. I'm gonna talk to him. I, I'm gonna take him by the hand." The Bible says, "I am going to talk with him. I am going to touch him." Hallelujah! So God set him apart. Right, He sanctified him. He called him out of where he was. Um, sometimes, you know, we have to be willing to get out of where we are and, and then, and then God begins this thing in us. All right. God will begin a new work thing in you. Sometimes you got to get out of where you are. You got to get away from what's familiar. Jesus wants to take you out of the town, right? Take you out of the environment, take you out of the environment where everybody knows your stuff, take you out of, uh, of, of, of just this. The, even just the social environment, there comes a time in your walk with God and in the rhythm of your relationship with God that he desires to take you out, to bring you out, bring you out of what your the environment. He wants to take you out. He brought Abram out. He brought Moses and the children of Israel out of Egypt. He, he, he rolled up on the 12 disciples and said, follow me. He brought them 
out, okay? He, he called the early church, Paul and, and, and Peter and Barnabas and Silas, and you know, they fasted and prayed and, and, and multiple times they were sent out. He called them out, okay? And so let's look at this, Psalm 138.7. We need God's hand on us. Psalm 138, verse seven, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand. Somebody say, God, put your hand on me. Somebody say that with me. Say, I need God's hand on my life, okay? I mean, we all do. We, we need, there's so much in the word of God concerning the hand of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due season. Jesus said, nobody can snatch you out of the hand of the father, all right? So you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me, okay? Walking with God, church, is not an event. Can I get an amen? It's a journey. Jesus wanted to walk with this man through some sort of a process here. He wanted to walk with him, talk with him, get alone with him, right? And get in that secret place and, and he touched him. And, and there was still a process in this situation even after that first touch. It wasn't, it, it, there, there, was, there was this sanctification, this, this journey, if you will, and that touch that God touched him with, that Jesus' hand on him, it, he touched him, but it began something. It began something, but it was still a journey, okay? So we gotta, we gotta thank God. We have to thank God for that first touch, that, 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 those times, those moments when God sets us apart and touches our life. So here we go. I mean, Jesus touches the man and he looks up and he sees men walking like trees. I don't know about you, but people, people aren't supposed to look like trees. So he touched them. There was change. There was, he was better, but he wasn't perfected. He, he was getting better. He, he could see, but it wasn't in focus. He could see, but it wasn't the completed thing. All right. And I think we need to show others grace and mercy. Because I think sometimes we think, man, if, if, if you're walking with Jesus, you should already be like this, right? And I understand that there is room for that. Uh, but every last one of us that have been touched by the master, that have been touched by the hand of God, Jesus has put his hand on you. And none of us could stand up now and say, I am entirely perfected. There's nothing else. I don't need another touch from God, right? We could never say that. And so I think we need to show others some grace and don't be so hard on yourself either because what God began, he will complete. See, and, and that's what it says in Philippians, right? You know, um, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. You know, the Bible says he will perfect that which concerns you. So, so he has, be, he began something in this man, but it wasn't perfected. It wasn't complete. You know what I'm saying? Look at somebody and tell them God's still working on. It. Look, I'm better than I was. Is it? 
Come on. I am better than I was. Okay. I am getting better, but there's better to be had. I am on a journey. Jesus has touched me, but I'm here to tell you right now that I need another touch. Thank God for the first one, but how many of you out there could use another one? Come on, another one. You could use another touch from Jesus. Come on, somebody say that with me. Say, I could use another touch from Jesus. Come on, say this with me. Say, touch me again, Lord. Say it again. Say, touch me again, Lord. Uh, But I need another one. God created us to desire more of him. This is a journey. This is a process. Don't expect yourself or others just because you have been touched by God that you are instantaneously perfected in every area. Man, this is a sanctification process, right? We have not arrived. We have been touched, but God wants to touch us again. See, God God desires intimacy and dialogue with you on your journey. He, 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 this is what he sows in his relation with relation to this, this man from Bethsaida. What's interesting too, man, he pulled him out of Bethsaida. You realize Bethsaida didn't have a good reputation. All right. Um, Jesus said, woe to you, Bethsaida. If the same miracles were done in, in Tyre and Sidon, you know, you know, they, they would have repented. So what is he saying? Bethsaida was an unrepentant city. They were rebellious. They, they, res, they, they resisted um, the love of God. They, res, they, they were not repentant. He said, woe unto you, Bethsaida. So this was not considered to be a spiritually rich city, a city that was maybe looked down upon. Okay, but I love this because God was still doing something in a man in Bethsaida, even though the city was a certain kind of way, even though the environment you came up in might not have been great. People look at it. Maybe they looked at your family. Maybe they looked at you. Maybe they looked at the the people you're associated with. I don't know. And there was this negative kind of thing. But I'm here to tell you right now in the midst of that, in the midst of others perception of, of, of the environment you came up in. In the situation you came up in, maybe the reality is it was unhealthy, it wasn't right, it was dark, and it was um, um, separated from God. But even in the midst of those environments, I love that Jesus is still doing a work in real people, in a real person, inside and under that kind of environment. Maybe God was like, man, I need to get you out of here. Because this, this, this environment ain't working for you. I need to get you out of this relationship. Somebody say amen. I need to get you out of this mindset. I need to get you out of this attitude. I need to get you out of this depressing environment, out of this negative situation, because I want to do a work in you in the midst of it. Jesus was touching this man. And the environment he grew up in was not healthy, something raw, unrepentant. And Jesus is like, man, I'm, I'm going to do my work in you privately. I'm going to do it in you privately. Okay? All right? So once again, Mark chapter 8, verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. So I, I love this. In the process of his journey, in the process of his journey, here it is. He was honest. He was honest. Like, God has touched me, but I... I'm not there yet. 
I, Jesus has touched me. I, I, I walk with Jesus. He's taken me by the hand. I'm in communication with him. We're in, in a private, intimate setting. And yes, I can see, but it ain't clear. <laughs> right? I, I, I mean, I've encountered Jesus, but stuff is still fuzzy. You know what I'm saying? Stuff is, remember, I don't know, some of y'all might remember this, but back in the day, you know, we had TVs where, you know, it was um, analog, I think, right? And you, I mean, I remember having these 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 metal things, uh, antennas on top of the TV, and we would wrap tinfoil around them because some, I don't know, I'm not, an, I'm not like, I don't know, I'm not too smart, right? but I, so the, the tinfoil kind of helped them <laughs> with the frequency, and you would kind of, you know, take those wires and it's kind of even radios, right? Radios would do that. You would try to tune it. You have a little tuner on there, right? And just because God has touched me doesn't mean my tuning's all together, right? When I first got saved, I mean, Jesus touched me. I was changed, but there was some stuff I still, I, I mean, it was blurry. It was fuzzy, white noise, you know, like, you know, you know, the old TV tubes. Come on, somebody, somebody out there say amen. And, um, but, you know, Jesus has touched us. And I'm going to be honest, Lord. I mean, thank you. But this right here is still a little fuzzy. Um, I'm still working out that attitude. Still, um, still, you know, got that temper. I, I still, my mouth still, you know, um, could go sideways, right? Or, you know, I still, and dealing, I still, um, when anxiety gets a hold of me, it still kind of grabs me pretty tight. And I've, I mean, I don't have it together. I, I, I see, and you've touched me, and I'm walking with you, but I, I'm not where I want to be. And so he was honest with where he was. He could have been like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I see it. And what if, he, what if he said that? What if he just flat out lied because of shame? Or he just was like trying to play the game, trying to be, trying to be cool and try to act like he was, had it all together. Oh, yeah, this is great. And, and it wasn't clear. It wasn't. He was honest. He was better but not perfected. Look at this, Philippians chapter two. Sorry, Philippians chapter three, verse 12. Let's read this. Philippians chapter three, verse 12. So turn there or slide there, all right? Uh, not that I have already attained. This is the apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians. Not that I've already, I mean, this is an apostle. Now he's a, he's a spiritual leader. He's doing the work of the ministry. He's a man of God. But he's saying, I have not already attained or am already perfected. All right. He, he's not speaking of his position in Christ, that he's a righteous of God in Christ. He's speaking of his process in Christ. And, and we have to be confident in our position that we are the righteousness of God. We are forgiven. The, 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 you got to learn how to walk, stand in your position and be honest about your process. Come on, somebody write that down. It's not my notes. That's the Holy Ghost. Uh, you have to have the confidence to stand in your position in Christ and be honest about your process in Christ. He's like, I am, I am, I, I'm not already perfected, but I press on. But I, you want to change your world, you got to learn to press on when stuff is still fuzzy, <laughs> right? When you ain't seeing everything just right, when your attitude isn't all just right. When your marriage isn't all perfect, you got to learn how to press on with Jesus when you're not perfected. Too many people are have this have this 
ungodly pressure and expectation to be a certain way. And if you're not, then forget it. No, this is a journey, folks. The Apostle Paul, right? I mean, this, this is a spiritual man. And he's saying, I'm not already perfected, but I press on. I'm still working on it. All right. Look at somebody and tell them, say, God's working on me. All right. Come on now. Look at somebody and tell them God's working on me. You need to tell yourself God's working on me. But I press on. All right. Well, I'm just not worthy. I can't do that. Yeah, I know. Same with me. Same with everybody else. I am not already perfected, but I press on. Keep on walking with Jesus. Come on, stay, stay on course with Jesus. Keep walking with him. Walk with him when, when you ain't seeing right. Walk with him when you don't understand. Walk with him when you ain't acting right. Keep walking with him. <laughs> Come on now. But I press on that I may, that why, why? Why do I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Once again, Philippians chapter three, verse 12. Let's read it one more again. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on in his grace. If you just sit around and focus on your own inadequacies and the, you start to just meditate on where you're not and what you don't have and what you're struggling with, I'm telling you, you ain't going to change nothing. You ain't going to change nothing. It's God's grace. His grace is sufficient. You got to learn how to move on when when the prayer hasn't been answered. Come on now, somebody. You got to learn how to stay in the will of God when the answer ain't there yet. You got to learn how to say yes to Jesus when you feel like he hasn't said yes to your prayer request. You got to learn how to stay faithful through the journey and process. You got to learn. I've said this before. You got to learn how to stay faithful when it's painful. Come on, just there, 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 there is life in no other. There, there is, there is salvation. There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. And, and we, our commitment right here, I have not already been perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Well, here it is. Here's my question for you today. Will you stay with Jesus even when you are working? Now, let me say it this way. Will you stay with Jesus even if you're a work in progress? Come on now, I'm a work in progress. You know what I'm saying? God's perfected. Come on, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have a confidence in the grace of God and in the hand of God and in the faithfulness of God that he is going to perfect that which concerns you. And he, he who began, he who began you, a good work and you will complete before the completion, before the perfection, can you, can you stay faithful? Will you still walk with them? He could have been like, Jesus, touch me. I still see blurry. Can't see nothing. I'm out. He could have done that. Could have done that. Halfway miracle. Come on now. All right. Halfway miracle. Come on now. He could have done. No, but he was honest. He was honest. Here is my last point. All right, and it's more of a prayer, but here it is. Lord, touch me again. <laughs> Come on now. Have you been touched by Jesus? Ain't nothing wrong with saying, Jesus, I need another one. I need another touch. Lord, touch me again. Come on, if you want, 
this man, Jesus was setting up this man to change his world. But it was a process. He had to get intimate with God, be honest with God, allow him to touch him, not once, but twice, right? We, we, we got to just say, Lord, touch me again. I think we, even in our Christianity, it's, it, it becomes this thing, it's, it's almost humanistic. It's about what I do and how I do it. And it comes from me and my discipline and my this and I do this and I do that and I did this and I checked the box and I did this. I understand disciplines. I, I'm a very disciplined person by nature, right? And so I, I understand that. But but when it comes to Jesus and worship and really needing to be changed, look, at the end of the day, my discipline does not save me. My, my uh, hard work doesn't save me. Uh, I need a touch from Jesus. Lord, touch me again. Touch me again, Lord. Touch me again. Touch me again, Lord. Touch me, Lord. Come on now. Somebody say, touch me again, Jesus. I need another touch. All right. Mark chapter 8, verse 25. Then he put his hands on his eyes again. Touched him again. Somebody say, touch me again, Lord. He put his eyes, his eyes again. He put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. It, it, the first time he touched him, he looked up. This time he touched him again and made him look up. Could you, he's like, you know, emotionally, I wonder if he's like, man, not again. I'm gonna look up again. I already looked up once. And, and there's times God is gonna touch you again, but he's gonna challenge you to continue to do the thing you did before. And you say, well, that didn't work, <laughs> right? I, I mean, you touched me, appreciate it. I'm a little better. But I looked up and it wasn't complete. And he touched him again. And this time it says he made him look up. He made him do the same exact thing. God's going to touch you again. He's going to be like, open that Bible. Come on now. You need to get to church. You need to get in the word. You need to worship. God's going to touch you again. But he's going to, he, he, he's going to engage you in the same discipline you had before and he was restored and he was restored and saw everyone clearly then he sent him away to his house saying neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town isn't that something isn't that something he said go to his house and i i know there's some implication here because you know jesus said this other times because he didn't want word to get out too soon about who he was and what, you know so he's trying to keep it the timing of of, of the cross and all that, like he was trying, you know, um, but this man, God touched him again. And, and I want to encourage you that that area of your life that's a little foggy, fuzzy, that God has touched it, but it's not where you, where God has intended it for it to be in its finality. I'm here to tell you again, God wants to touch you again. He's going to touch you again. And it's never over. It is never over. All right. This word restored in the Greek is, is a powerful word. It means to restore to original standing. Okay. It means to reestablish, return back to the ultimate. What was, it means this, to enjoy again, to enjoy again. To enjoy again. Some of you, your walk with God, you've lost some joy. You haven't enjoyed it. God wants to touch you so you can enjoy it again. 
This is, this is interesting. This word really means that th this word has this implication that this man wasn't born blind, that something happened, something because it's restored means he was back to where things were. And when in your journey with God, he will restore the things lost. He will bring back that joy again. You know, it's just to enjoy again what was taken away by a destructive or life-dominating power. All right, it emphasizes separation from the former. That restoration is he cuts that old thing off. It is over and you are restored. He restored him. If we allow God to separate us, right? He took him out of the town. If we allow God to separate us, he will separate the negative influence that, that, that's, that's working in and around us. If we allow him to separate us, he will separate those negative things from us. He'll separate the sin from us, okay? Um, and I really believe this, that as God touches us, we will see, we will see things differently. He will open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, all right? Hallelujah. Somebody say, touch me again, Lord. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for everybody here. I pray, Lord, that, that you touch them. I pray, God, that those areas of their life they're walking through, I pray you give them the grace to continue. You give them the grace to press. You give them the grace to persevere. Lord, I thank you, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that they enter this season, this day, this week, with an emphasis, God, on just having that private time with you, just as this man had it and was touched time and again. So Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that Lord, as you change us, Lord, you empower us to change our world. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. My prayer is that you will change your world as a result of what you listen to today. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings and remember to follow us on social media. Peace.